Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast Podcast, brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we are looking at a first NBA slate of 2024. Happy New Year to everybody. We're going to be doing uh, best bets in this video. We also have play up props up in a separate one. So go ahead and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along each and every weekday with us. Also want you to head to thelines.com and use everything we have up on the site right now, as well as that odds finder tool, including that odds finder tool, I should say, that is uh, very helpful and handy with a nice little chart in front of you guys to see which books are giving you the best odds and juice for all these bets you might want to make this NBA season. Nate, let's go ahead and get right into your first NBA a bet, best bet of 2024. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't want to tell them how we closed 2023 up plus units. Finally got a big, big win there the last Friday. I guess it's been a long break, but nice uh, seven and two night there. Four and one on the best bets on Friday. Um, so, yeah, back from the break here. Looking at the Grizzlies to take care of business against the Spurs. There's a lot of ways to play this, and I'm not sure which is the best here. Grizzlies right now up to minus 11. Grizz team total 124. Thought about both of them, but I think the safest way here is just Ja and Bain going to both get 20, and the Grizzlies are going to win, and that gets you to about even money. Uh, because those two guys, I mean, even with Ja back, have been sharing, you know, what we see as like the lion's share usage, what we see with like Giannis Dame, book Kevin Durant. It's just an offense that completely throws through, flows through two guys who are getting, you know, 70% of the usage almost when they're both out there. Bain's first four with Ja, averaged 29 a game with 31% usage. Um, and, and you know, Ja had 30-plus in three of those four. He had that weird game with only 20 against Indy, but that's all we need here. Uh, if this is a blowout, you know, I think he can get his 20 in, in quick fashion here. Certainly can be a blowout. Like, I mean, the Spurs are, are literally not trying. Um, they, they In their last eight, they have the worst defensive rating in the league. They're giving up 130 giving up everything you need if you're Memphis to score the basketball, including a ton of second chance points, points in the paint. And they just sat out Zach Collins for their first time all season, who is, you know, the, the one like stabilizing defensive force. Right. And and so on, on cue, give up 134 to Boston without Zach here, who's ruled out again, their last five with the, against the Grizz have all gone over. Uh, the Grizzlies are averaging 125. The thing is, they're 5-0 straight up and 1-4 against the spread. So even though the Spurs have been, you know, tanking for years, they've found a way to compete in this matchup, this divisional matchup. Uh, but but the Grizzlies have been scoring a ton. And Ja, in his last five against the Spurs, 38.5 points per game, ridiculous shooting splits. Um, so, I, I mean, he's going to get his. The, without, you know, their last time they faced these Spurs, Grizz got 120 with Gilliard, Conchar Biombo starting their their offensive lineup is now obviously much better. Marcus Smart in there as well. Like I just think they're going to be scoring all, all over the place and really bounce back from this sleepy spot they had against Sack on New Year's Eve, following the back to back one without Ja, who you know who knows if he was still sick. Now they get a little extra rest. They come come out fresh in the new year and and they're going to perform offensively. So I'll just trust it to go through those two guys. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not I'm not scared of the 10 points, 10 and a half either. Like you're saying, you're kind of going back and forth with how you would play this game. And like, there's no reason that, that San Antonio should be in this game at all. So really, the only worry about the 2020, obviously, is the the idea that this game is over in the third quarter. 
I, I don't know. Like you, like the the Spurs are just a, a blemish on the league, in my opinion, this year and even kind of last year. And, and so I, I don't know quite what to do with them other than, like you said, fade them. And the, the double digits, once we keep it to 10 points for them, like if it's not the 15 or 16 that we've seen as a spread for the, the their opponent, I'm kind of good with it. I'm kind of good at that 10, 10 and a half. So either way you want to play it, um, I, I'm I'm. I'm happy to, to fade the Spurs, like you said. So um, let me go to a game that should be interesting and is the, the Warriors and the Magic. And to be honest, they, they usually are interesting uh, when they play each other because there's uh, used to be totally opposing styles. But I, I, th- I just think right now I'm going to take the Magic. I was looking at an under in this game, 231 or so, because it seemed high when these two teams play. But it, I just I don't know what to do with the recent stats without Draymond. They're playing a lot faster as Golden State, or at least, um, yeah, they are. They're getting out into transition a bit more and at least picking up the pace on these these um, these possessions. So, I, but I still just like the Magic to be able to handle this because the Magic are healthy. Sands Markel Fultz, which is like, look, let's just they're healthy because Mark Fultz really doesn't play, man. He just hasn't played very much this season and obviously last season. So I'm not really worried about the wither without Markel Fultz stuff. Um, we've seen Jalen Suggs really step in and be an incredible de- perimeter defender this year, which is a huge reason that I feel good about them uh, against this this Warriors team, which Steph might still go off on the points. That's one area that he that he can definitely keep this game like single-handedly paced up and like high scoring. So I'm not really, like I said, willing to fade his points or willing to fade points in this game. Um, but when you've got Orlando, on the road they're a bit worse they're just they're going to play a bit choppier and slower and I just I don't think that the the young Warriors team and lineups that they're putting out there are necessarily going to be in, in the mold of being able to play slower and choppier and still have this game go well I think they need it to be a lot smoother that's why you've seen 122 points per game at home since Draymond went down versus the uh, r- roughly 115 114 that they were scoring prior to that like everything is just a little bit worse um, and they're they're able to guard down low a little bit worse and that's what we're going to see from Orlando is we're going to see Franz and we're going to see Paolo, both of them uh, shooting more than 30% of their shots uh, inside of 10 feet because they're just looking to crash. They're looking to drive. They consistently have the most uh, highest frequency of drives in the uh, plays as well. Like they're, they're all cutting and, and making plays towards the basket. Uh, and that's where the, the dubs have been much more vulnerable, obviously, since Draymond went down, they went from being able to defend the paint to not being able to do that anymore. Um, and the second chance points have been still very important for them, especially without Draymond when you get Kaminga in there and Wiggins a few more minutes. Now Gary Payton the second is back. Even Pajemski has been a very good offensive rebounder for them. Not to mention Loon Dog when he's in there is an incredible offensive rebounder. So they have relied heavily off second chance points. Orlando's a top five team at, at limiting second chance points. The the Dubs have also go, gone down a bit in their ability to get those points um, since Draymond went down as well. Because even though he's not necessarily getting the offensive boards, he's obviously boxing out a lot of guys on offense uh, when he, they're trying to crash those boards. So without the second chance points, without uh, a free flowing sort of like smooth assist heavy style of offense that the Warriors should, would want to play to be able to hang in this game, I don't see them as three point favorites against this Magic team. Yeah, and didn't you initially have the under as your lean, too? That was like, one of my leans, too, yeah. yeah. I, like I said, I was scared of, of Steph being able to just d- drop seven threes on him um, because, uh, you know, he's scoring off the dribble, and scoring point guards can get theirs against the Magic. So I, it was him specifically that I was like, I don't want to keep him, and plus the, the free throws that I do think the Magic are going to get. I do yeah. see this game potentially around 230-232, so it really wasn't worth the value for me to the under anymore. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Steph has been has been rough for the last few games here. You True. do expect to bounce back at some point, but maybe the Magic is not the team. Uh, I mean, they 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 have that perimeter defender, like you said, and there's and the Warriors are still clearly experimenting with lineups. Like the, the offense has been disjointed a lot. Magic have gone under five of their last six, uh, only over against Washington 
Like, I, I, I see a correlation here where you could take the plus three and a half with the under and, and then you juice it up to like plus 260, uh, which is which is nice here because I, I don't know if the Magic are comfortable in a 130 game, you know, the way we see mm-hmm. Warriors sometimes play against Western Conference teams. So they're, yeah. they're going to they're gonna want it lower scoring. I feel that. Yeah. Uh, so Boston at OKC, game of the night here yeah. for sure. Previews um, fi- final, preview of the finals maybe? Oh man, I love that. I love that that <laughs> bullishness because I I am an SGA MVP pulpit guy, and that's why my first lean here, SGA top scorer in the game minus one fifty. If you want something with better juice, I was like, well, well let me just bet him to get his numbers here. Thirty four and four is plus money. Um, so I mean, I have a hard time seeing him not get to those numbers. In fact. He has gotten the four and four in every single home game this season, 17 straight and and 11 straight overall averages six and six and a half at home in terms of the peripheral stats. Now, is he going to score 30 against Boston? I I mean, damn right. He's playing, he's playing a contender. He is, he is the best off perimeter offensive player in the league right now. He's number two in PER offensive win shares value over replacement trailing Jokic or Embiid in each of those. But, I mean, he, he is unstoppable, e- even though you're throwing Drew Holiday and Derek White at him. I, I mean, he just rises to the occasion. Like, we just saw him blow up against Mini, blow up against the Knicks, you know, the Lakers, whatever, whatever solid defense you want to throw at him. He's averaged 36 points per game on 64% shooting in those last four. Uh, you know, he just, he was chilling in his last game against the Nets. Like, the Nets are are kind of backsliding into becoming a, a joke here at this point. Uh, and it was New Year's Eve, and so we're kind of, we're that's kind of the theme of this year, it, it, of, of this show is just like all right, New Year's Eve people didn't necessarily go that hard, so a little bit of extra rest almost uh, as SGA comes out, and you just know he's going to bring it against this team, and he and and the Celtics have so much balance that I'm not really worried about anyone being a top mm. scorer over him. That's why yeah. minus one fifty is even still a little. Uh, lower than I would expect it to be. Like it, it really could be minus two hundred. <clears throat> Tatum has the shortest odds behind him, but like Tatum in his last four road games, twenty four points per game, extremely efficient, but not a high usage rate. Jalen twenty four points per game, same thing. Derek White and Drew all around twenty points per game with ridiculous efficiency, like one fifty plus offensive rating. As the Celtics go on this hot streak, and then Porzingis gets matched up on Chet, he's he's probably not going to go off. I mean, he could hit a few threes, but like the Celtics go five deep in terms of scores, and the, and the Thunder might have one guy who's getting his shot here. You know, Jalen Williams, Giddy, it, it comes in and out, but it's it's going to be on SGA, and he's he's going to bring it. It's I, I mean yes to everything. Um, I'm sorry, but once you started talking about Chet versus Porzingis, I just kind of started daydreaming about it, and it was like that sounds awesome. I can't wait to watch that uh, with Chet having somebody that can, I guess, come out to the three point line and kind of hang with him out there. Um, I was considering under eight and a half boards for Jason Tatum in this one because of the fact that like, well, one, he just hasn't really done it when Porzingis is back in there. There's more rebounders, obviously. Um, Honestly, he has more rebounds on the season with the games that KP is in there. But the point is, is like, I think there's going to be a lot of scoring, like up and down scoring. I I don't think that these teams will necessarily be able to stop each other too well. And, but then once I start looking at the boards for Tatum and even Brown, I'm like, actually, I think I like over better because if Chet and KP are just two seven foot two dudes roaming the court all over, like there's no place on the floor. Those dudes can't really play. So it's really just going to be a bit more of like 
positionless basketball than I think we're even used to. It's going to be fun as hell. Uh, I like your angle for this game because I really don't want to pick a winner, although it does seem wrong to put the Thunder as dogs at home to anybody, to be honest, right? Like, we were talking about it tongue-in-cheek at one point, not even, because I have a 101 one ticket for the, the, the Thunder to win the championship, just because I was like, screw it, let's go. I took 50-1 to one for them to come out of the West, because, like, they're the real deal, man, and you, you're not going to have to convince me that Shy's the MVP, so... Steps off soapbox, move on to last pick here. Chicago and Philly, we both we both like Chicago. We're scared of Embiid, as you should be. Everybody that plays basketball in the whole world, if you're not on Joel Embiid's team, you should be afraid of him. But this team plays really well. Uh, and the last time that the Bulls lost to the 76ers, which is only once out of their last four meetings, Joel wasn't playing. Um, I'm not saying that the 76ers are better without Joel Embiid by any means or stretch of the imagination. And I believe James Harden was also playing in that game. So you had a lot more just stability on offense with with your point guard and then Maxi around and, and Tobias with him. But point being, 10 and a half is too much, man. And this one, even with JoJo back in the game um, in, in this series, like there's still a number of reasons to like the Bulls. And it's just really, this is like a Bulls love fest in a way because um, they match up well. And we do both like the fact that Drummond is in there as a better defender for Embiid than Nikola Vucevic on every single plane of reality that you could try to find that right like it's gonna be uh Drummond actually able to get a few more I'll, I'll we'll give Vooch his his credit like he gets minutes and he plays and he gets boards against Embiid um because he is playing a bit more down low more boards than he normally does um but that's not what you want when when you have him down there you want you want Drummond against him so uh when you look at what the the Bulls have done since Levine went down like we were talking about it roughly five games ago and and not much has changed even without Vooch in the lineup over the last like four or five uh roughly three or four games um it's still been a team that's in the top five in defensive uh, rating since Levine went down. Uh, they're still in the top 12 in terms of assist percentage. It's, it's all the things that we saw from the jump. Kobe White came in and made a really big impact and has slowly just sort of receded from sort of like taking over to just being a really solid part of this offense and continuing the ball movement that we've seen from them. I also like the rebound percentage, which actually is pretty much the same with Drummond in there and with uh, Vooch in there. It's just that nobody else is getting the rebounds besides Drummond because he's just pushing his own teammates out of the way, getting the board after he boxes out. So that's why he's getting more rebounds, but the team is still getting the same amount. Um, are they going to be able to stop Maxi? I think so. We we just did it with Caruso. Like he's going to have to be really inefficient once again to get his points. I, I love fading Maxi without Embiid because people think, oh, Embiid's out, Maxi more points. And it's like, no, no, Embiid uh, is a huge is the sun around which this whole thing revolves. So when when he's out, Maxi's got a lot more pressure on him, a lot less open threes. So he's not he's going to have a few more open threes today. But the assists won't be quite the same. I think he had seven or eight against the Bulls last time because it was like the driving lanes weren't there. They're going to be there a little bit more for him. Right, and he will have the opportunity to assist to Embiid. Embiid's going to have the opportunity to assist to people. But the main point is this thing's going to be choppier. Uh, the Bulls are going to do everything they can to keep it from getting too out of hand because they can't really run with with Maxi and company nearly as well. Uh, and I, I just think that they'll they'll be able to at least keep this under eleven points. That's way too high for a team that's played super well against this team in the last five games they played. Yeah, you can't tell me that Nikola Vucevic is a better defender than Andre no. Drummond, straight up. And, and like. Yeah, you said yeah, how hard he's going for rebounds. He's like an irrational confidence guy to a degree, uh, uh, you know, is saying like he's the best backup center in the league. I mean, he's, he's going to make a case for it at least when he gets to start here these seven to ten days with Vooch out. Uh, there's the old practice narrative that he's played a lot against Embiid when he was with the Sixers. Yeah, um, He's at least a big body to throw at him. And Caruso, like you mentioned, yeah, I mean, he was he chased Maxi all over 
held, you know, Maxi got 29 points, but he had 23 shots to get there. These last two meetings have gone way under. The only thing that scares me is like the revenge narrative that the Sixers have lost so many to this team and that yeah. they want to come out and stick it to them. But look, the Bulls have covered 13 of 16 uh, since they started this hot streak, since Levine took a seat. Um, they are not a team you want to fade. Like, if you're going to give me all these extra points, like this line really should be like six, right? Yeah. Uh, I think you, you you can take it and just say, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But like, this is this is the effective play. Yeah, if, if we're wrong, it's because we underestimate, like you said, the rah-rah, woo-woo sort of nature of the 76ers coming out and being like, we got Embiid back, let's make a run at this thing. It's, like, it's been out for like four games, it's not that big a deal, I don't see it that way. If that's why we lose and we misjudged the, the humane nature of it, then fine. But the numbers, like we like to say sometimes, definitely indicate that this should not be uh, above 10 points as a spread against the, the Bulls. So, so uh, kick it off with your first play a prop. Yeah, it's also a best bet here, which is SGA over, um, you know, the 44 and a half PRA is the line here. But I, I did a parlay in the best bet that that's a lot easier for him to hit. And, and the odds are even slightly better of just 30 points, four rebounds, four assists. I guess you get a bad bit beat if he goes, you know, three rebounds or three assists. But this is something he's done in 17 straight at home, 11 straight overall. But at home, he averages more. He's, he's done it comfortably. He's averaging six rebounds and six and a half assists per game at home. Um, and he's going to bring it against a contender in terms of the scoring. Uh, his last two against Boston, 34 points per game on 33% usage. His last four against what I would consider contending teams, 36 points per game on 64% field goal shooting. So the fact that he only had 24 against Brooklyn on New Year's Eve, don't let that dissuade you. Um, you know, that's that's just like getting ready for a game they have circled. The Thunder have played Boston tough since they've actually been a competitive team, right? I mean, and they even beat him, beat the Celtics in surprise fashion uh, while they were tanking two years ago because Mark Dagnall is, is from Central Mass, and, and I think they won one for the Gipper there, but I digress. Like, SGA, the, Boston has been getting their best shot from stars lately. He is obviously a superstar, they got 31-6-9 from Cade. They got big games from Scotty and Siakam in, in, against the Raptors on that back-to-back. They had 40-13 and 13 from AD. They got 33-3-6 from Steph. Um, you know, Steph, SGA, like I said, bringing it against contenders. And I like the fact, I like the odds you can get here. It's minus 150, but I think it's still decent value for him to just be the top scorer in this game because Boston has such a balanced approach. Like, it's hard to imagine... Tatum or Jalen Brown going over 30 they'll probably both be around 27 28 if this is a high scoring environment but Boston has five guys who are scoring efficiently OKC might only have one if Jalen Williams is not going and the SGA will be like that's fine I can still get you 40 even against the best perimeter backcourt in the league like you just cannot stop me and and he just brings it in these good matchups yeah yeah, I, I actually uh, faded him in that um, in that game, that last game against the Nets, where it was like this is this is going to be gross, and I'm sure the Thunder will pull it out, and of course they did because the Nets are like you, we talked about backsliding into sucking, but um, that's not what this is. This is SGA going up in a, in a game that. I'm calling a finals preview, uh, easily a potential finals preview. Uh, we'll see what happens when the Thunder face the Nuggets in the playoffs, and we'll see who comes out of the West. But that's my prediction right now because I don't, I don't know. Like we we have this problem with trusting teams before we see them do it. And I'm like, what? No, I don't. I don't need to see them win the championship to believe they can win the championship. Uh, I just need to see them play in big games, and I need to shy. I need to see shy be the best player on the floor 
in these games. Um, and there's definitely a correlation to like who's on the other team and how hard is shy going uh, to like outscore that person. And I, I believe in it. I'm not going to like, it's not straight up just like, Oh, shy feels motivated. That's not the, the whole analysis here, but, but you want to be able to bank on your stars, like giving a shit uh, during a long season. And this is one of those give a shit moments for sure. So uh, I've got a couple of unders here in play of props because this number is too high in this Magic and Warriors game uh, for Chris Paul to go under nine and a half assists for CP3 in this one, duh point God. That's too many uh, against the team that limits teams to the fewest assists per game in the Magic. That's partly because they're they're like long and versatile at pretty much every position. We see that from teams like the, the Bulls and the, the the Raptors, right? Like the the Pelicans, they don't give up assists because of the fact that like they're it's they can switch so easily. You're not going to get very many mismatches where you've got a guy open because you've got a double over here or there, uh, and so there's just nobody that you have to worry about outside of CP3. Like you can stay home on other guys. Like you don't have to like play you know what I mean like you you basically like there's not really great shooting going on for the for the dubs anywhere right now outside of Steph Curry when he's open so I'm not really concerned with like mismatches or or guys getting open for the dubs against this magic defense Um, he's got 12 potential assists per game since day day went down and he's played a couple more minutes in those games as well Um, but like I said the the dubs are down to a bottom 10 true shooting percentage team and that is the reason that on 12 potential assists per game CB3 is not even averaging like seven like 7.2 basically right since Draymond went down in fact a little bit lower than that, uh, about 7.1-ish, whatever. But the point is, is like, he's not getting 10. Um, and he, he's done that uh, only twice now since Day-Day went down. Uh, the, the magic, like I said, not only is it just everywhere on the floor, but the third fewest assists per game to uh, point guards and shooting guards uh, as well. Like, shooting guards aren't getting assists either. So however you want to look at it, Jalen Suggs is on the best ball handler on that team. I do think Suggs will be spending mo- the majority, if not all, of his time on Steph Curry, to be honest. I, I mean, you're not even really worried about Clay nearly as much anymore. Um, but either way, for CB3, I, it's, it's not like he's going to have, like, Cole Anthony on him. He's still going to have some form of, like, Gary Harris, uh, another really solid uh, wing defender and, and guard defender. So uh, the, the other thing is, like, the the fouls. There's going to be fouls in this game. That really led me, drove me right away from the was how many fouls both of these teams give up. Um, And so I do think, like, if you've got Paul uh, passing to shooters, dubs don't have great shooters. you got Paul passing to a cutting Jonathan Kaminga, or Andrew Wiggins, they're getting fouled uh, if they if they get a shot up because that's where the Magic are at right now. Twenty third in how in their uh, opponent's free throw attempt rate, the Dubs twenty seventh. So that's also why I stay away from that um, for, from really assists and from points in this game. So yeah, we'll go under uh, for Chris Paul for the ten assists. It's just too high in, in a game against the Magic. Yeah, what is this line? Like I know he had double digits in three in a row, uh, including that overtime game with Boston, but not, now thirteen assists in his last three total. And, and you're t- saying 10 assists in one game against one of the best defenses in the league. I mean, just goes nine, four and four against Miami is similar, you know, kind of stalwart backcourt um, at home for CP three. And yeah, I mean, what the, who are you trusting to score around CP three? Like right. the, the magic are not giving up slip pick and rolls to Kaminga. Like they're not just going to let Steph get open. Like this is an extremely disciplined defense. Like the, the potential assists, probably will even drop here yeah. uh, because of that. Um, so I'm going to go negative correlation special here. De'Aaron Fox under 29 and a half points with the Kings favored by minus 16 against the Hornets. The Hornets are on a back-to-back here and boy, are they struggling game five of the West coast trip. They have lost 11 straight and allowed the highest assist to field goal ratio in that span. They've allowed the sixth most assist to point guards, fifth fewest points to point guards because their defense 
is just so vulnerable. It's basically the opposite of what we're saying with Orlando. All Fox has to do is kick it out. Somebody's going to be open. Um, you know, it's heavily juiced to the over for him to get six assists. And I would I would consider that. But, like, I'm, I'm looking at a blowout here for sure. The Kings tend to blow teams out when they come into Sacramento with a rest disadvantage. I mean, the Hornets are probably just trying to get home and sleep at this point and, and stop and stop the beatings. Um, but Fox, when he's played, you know, teams from the Eastern Conference, gone under this number in six of the last eight. Last season, I mean, he dropped 37 against the Hornets, but that was in a loss of a 125-119 loss, completely different wow. situation. Yeah. Hornets are only scoring 103 during this losing streak. There's no way they're going to keep pace with the Kings. They have negative 17.5 net rating, like, that's all I have to say, really, is just like this game is not going to be close down the stretch. And De'Aaron Fox going to need a little rest. I mean, he just had 24 in a blowout against Memphis. Uh, probably a similar situation here. So I could even look at, you know, an adjusted line for the Kings. Like, I'm not going to take the minus 16 with this, but like minus 7, minus uh, 8. You know, just something something like a normal line for Fox to go under 30 points along with this. A normal NBA spread because there's two real NBA teams playing unlike this game where you've got the JV Hornets coming in. Uh, and we normally save that for the JV Jazz because we love alliteration. But this Hornets team is a freshman squad, man, if you had that in high school. So uh, the, the 20, I love this play uh, 100%. The, the only scenarios this season where it's like, ooh, let, this is not a good play to fade 30 points for a dude in a probably a 20-point blowup. It's like, is there incentive? Does De'Aaron Fox care to dominate? Right, Because I'm referencing a couple times where like uh, LeBron played against, I forget who it was, but it was like a revenge narrative against a former teammate, and then he got 30 unnecessarily in a 20-point win. Steph just did that against Jordan Poole. Didn't need to get 30, but he chose to because Jordan Poole was scoring as well, and he wanted to put him in his place there ain't nothing like that here this is the poor hornets this would be the wildest uh not even win like if they keep this thing into double digits and are playing a game into the fourth quarter that would be a shock to me um i think there's probably some good you know uh, kings to lead at half kings to lead every quarter whatever you want to do i don't know why the kings would play with their food just like get it over and get De'Aaron out there uh, out of the game and keep him keep him healthy so uh, i love the under in those situations i'm gonna go to the back to the same game and go under again for the other point guard on this team who we'll call a shooting guard when Chris Paul is out there, and that's Steph Curry. And as I mentioned in the best bets, I'm not fading his points because he could very likely go off. The The only real um, vulnerable place on the floor that the Magic are vulnerable is, are you a good shooting point guard who can shoot off the dribble specifically, or do you rely on catch and shoot? Obviously, Steph Curry is the best shooter when he's shooting with his left hand or backwards or blindfolded, so it doesn't matter. But the rebounds and assists are what are not nearly there for him um, with this iteration of the dubs. And it's not just, oh, Steph without Draymond or with Draymond. It's like Steph in this version of the dubs isn't responsible nearly as much for the rebounding and to a degree the assists. Um, so, yeah, it's under 10. I hope I said that. Rebounds and assists for, for Steph. Um, and just looking, like I said, looking at uh, some of the stuff real quick without Day-Day, in the games with him, 30, 30 a game, five uh, boards, and five assists. Without him, 25 a game, four boards, four assists. There's been plenty of cupcakes in there for Steph as well. He did get the 30 against the Wizards, um, and he's played against the, the Mavericks, uh, the Nets, a bunch of other awful defenses in there, Portland, um, and, and even Boston where they had 129. And those were the games where, like, yeah, I, I trust Steph against Boston. I trust him against those teams. I don't trust him against this team. Like, by the way, the only reason I trust him against Boston is because he's the Boston Whisperer, not because like uh, he's like a good matchup for him. They're the best defensive backcourt in the league, but he's Steph Curry. 
I, I just don't see that for him with the rebounds and assists in this one. So the he's gone under an eight of his last 10, and 10 games ago is when Draymond decided to, to literally right hook uh, Yusuf Nurkic in the face and has been out since then. So the, the eight of 10 that he's gone without day-day is in part because of where he's playing on the floor because of the fact that there's a lot more drives and cuts now for Warriors players. Steph's not getting into the lane like he used to, right? The, the lane used to be wide open for Steph because the only two people that were going in there were he or Andrew Wiggins at one point in time uh, or like, you know, an Andre Iguodala, that kind of thing. But now we're in a place where he, he, they're they're driving way more, they're cutting way more, a way higher frequency of their possessions is, in, is involves a lot less pick and roll, and they involve a lot more cuts to the basket. Like I said, with the, the athletes and the young guns, the way that they're they're looking to to push this thing without Draymond in there, playing Wiggins even a little bit less so that they can get like uh, Kaminga some more time. But uh, as a result of all that, he's not getting into the lane. The rebound chances are down to seven a game, and he's only got three a game since uh, Day-Day's been out. He's only gone over the rebounds uh, one time. It's four and a half. I, I think that's a huge part of it. That's way too high if you're scared of the assists and you just want the rebounds that's my favorite part of this bet because he's like I said he's not getting into the lane nearly as much for those rebound chances um and the assists are the same concept like you're getting more Chris Paul uh and as a result and you're even getting more Brandon Pajemski who is a guy that like once Steph gets the ball out of his hands and which by the way defenses are quickly forcing the ball out of Steph's hands early in possessions for the sake of the fact that that limits his assists at that point because he's so far from the basket and now the dubs are playing four on three with Brandon Pajemski in that point role, right? Where he's sort of Draymond right now. And that's why Pajemski's potential assists are up. When Chris Paul is in there, they're a lot more of a traditional Steph come off of screens and shoot off of the screens on the wing and Chris Paul's finding him in those in those instances. So uh, I just don't think that that's going to be there for him against, once again, the best uh, team at limiting assists uh, in the league. Yeah, and third fewest to point guards specifically. It's basically what we're talking about with Chris Paul. Like normally I'd be like, you can't fade both these guys, but I, I again think that the number is just way too high for Chris Paul. Um, and that Steph's gonna have to expend more energy than usual on offense to get his shots. Like he might go off against this team, but it's it's not easy. Right. Um, so I don't think he's gonna have much left to to be that kind of rebounding and facilitating force that you would need for him to top this number, which like you said, yeah, he's, it's just not been happening lately. The Warriors have just not been humming it is no longer the beautiful offense, right? It is it is disjointed, and they're just trying to figure it out. Uh, so Steph is not going to get a bunch of assists because the guys around him are thriving. Yep, and and there's not going to be the, uh, a great opportunities for fast break transition. Like fluidity is not going to be high in this game. It's going to be a bit slower and and, and sloppier. So, well, sloppier is not right, but stickier, right? Like sludgier. But either way, that is all the time we have for you in this one. Continue to follow along, subscribe to that page, like the video if you would. We're coming back to you each and every weekday with these play of props and also got best bets for you. So until we see you next, happy betting. <laughs> <laughs>